Good evening. Um, I have to say it's rather daunting to follow the kind of um, choir we heard. I've never followed anything so powerful as that. And uh, it really just is very humbling and it's very powerful to think that uh, this week has been such a blessing and beyond expectations. I know personally my own. Before we look into God's word, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we call upon thee in this evening hour to continue our journey to the cross. For that is where we ask that we would all be. And perhaps some are well on their way. Perhaps there are those that are quizzical, reluctant, indifferent, or even afraid. And Father, we pray that all of us would be there this evening and that we would all understand that in order to know who we are, we all have to be broken. And so, Lord, we ask that of thee in this evening hour. In Jesus' name, amen. The theme that we have uh, this, uh, this week for 2013 uh, is, is something that, it's a theme that really gets into Satan's face. This is a, this is a theme and this is a, a, an endeavor that is a pushback against your worst enemy and mine. The last thing Satan wants you or I to do is take a week out of our lives and spend it on a theme of who am I? And not only that, but be in the posture of prayer when asking. This is such an important question. It really falls on the heart and conscience of everybody that's alive. It doesn't matter the range of faith. It doesn't matter the the position, uh, the title, the disposition. It doesn't matter because there are two basic questions as human beings that we have to come to terms with. Even if we run away from them, they still follow and they keep up. Who is God and who am I? Most of the errors associated with the latter question begin with from the position of what am I? And so we will uh, look shortly in God's scripture, uh, some examples of that. But if we have, throughout our lives, formed bad habits, that we tend to look at ourselves, even from the standpoint of how God may see us, on the basis of what am I, we're not going to get the answer. Unless we ask the question and get the answer of who am I, What am I? And more importantly than that, where am I going? We're not able to answer. Or maybe we're not even caring to know. But this is a question that we can't run from. We can't. I'd like you to turn your Bibles with me in this evening to um, Luke chapter... 18, uh, beginning with verse number 9. Very familiar passage, no question. Let's see what we can find from God's word on the basis of 
by contrast of two men. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let me ask two questions of you, and please be honest with yourselves. Are you happy with who you are? Are you happy with you right now? Not next week, next year, or beyond, now. And the second question is, is God happy with you? Which question is the most important to you at this very moment? Two men went into the temple by choice. And we see one was a Pharisee and the other a publican. You could not get a farther apart, polarized contrast of men and character. A Pharisee was someone that was a career, religious, um, devoted, uh, studious, um, set apart, held a high order, revered in authority, looked upon with, with excellency, accomplishment. The resumes go on and on and on, and they made sure that they were visible and well-known. A publican was also a Jew, but really probably one of the most despicable kind of men. You see, he was a tax collector, and he, he was commissioned to collect tax for Rome, which was um, basically Israel's boss. They owned them. They oversaw them. Israel was a colony. They were under the Roman Empire, their will and their dictates. So he was looked upon as a traitor. Not only did he collect taxes, the publicans took extra helpings, 35 45%. Beyond that, they strained their common Jewish people. And when the people weren't in a position to be able to afford that, if, they, if the money ran out, then they took their homes and their lands and their wives and their daughters until the debt was satisfied. And so picture this in church. Two men. Both of these men not only went to the temple by choice, they were, they, they were the men they were by choice as well. You did not become a Pharisee overnight. Neither did you become a publican overnight. Each probably had their passions and their aspirations for their reasons. They had their motives. And this is who they cho chose to be. 
perhaps with that background, we can perhaps understand somewhat the, the prayer of the Pharisee. They went with different motives. Jesus wants us to ask ourselves, which one am I? Or what range do I fall in between them? The Pharisee stood and prayed, thus with himself, and he thanked God that he was not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and certainly referring to this publican. All of those things this publican was in the course of doing his own business, carrying out his lifelong earnings, he was all those. And one can say, well, the Pharisee certainly was the better man, at least. I mean, you, you got to give him his due. And then he's talked about in his prayer that he fasted twice, he gave tithes of all that he possessed, and these are the things that they were revered for by other people. They were looked up to. Now I have to ask the question, did this Pharisee really want God to hear this? Or did he want him hear himself speak? The publican, standing afar off, he couldn't even lift up his eyes into heaven. He was, he was so overtaken with the weight of, of his guilt, of his life, of his situation. Perhaps he was hopeless and helpless and all he could do was stagger into the temple and hope not to be seen and ridiculed too bad or asked to leave. You know, he was a Jew as well, so they couldn't really just deny him, but they certainly didn't prefer him there. He was not praying to hear himself pray. He had only one person as an audience he had in mind, and that was God. He came to the great I am, and he said to the great I am, this is who I am. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that this publican went down to his house justified rather than the other. Our motives have everything to do with a discovery, and it is a discovery, of who we are. Satan doesn't want you to take a week out of your life, close the shutters on everything that is waiting for you back home. He doesn't want you to dig deep. He doesn't want to have others dig deep with you and inspire you and challenge you. I am sure when this camp theme came to be, Satan had a bad day. This is the last thing he wants you and I to do, is to get on our knees and diligently seek out, who am I? Why do people run from this? Why do, why do seemingly responsible people in life tend to invert the importance in their life? There are people that are, care more about how they cross a busy street than crossing God's boundaries in their lives. It's true. 
They're very meticulous on one end, and they're extremely negligent and careless on the other. My friend, where are you tonight? Where do you fall in? I can't help but think that it doesn't take a Friday night for the lights to come on in your life. I needed at least two Kleenex boxes throughout these days. I can't keep a dry eye here. And I thought I knew who I was. But I realized this is a dynamic that has to be a living introspection in our lives. And we have a responsibility for those of us who serve the Lord to be in the Lord because we have, after the word I is a comma, and it's in Jesus. And we've learned this week and have been reminded about the importance of confidence. And yes, our adversary wants to deplete our confidence or he wants to redirect our confidence to someplace else. I believe this Pharisee was a very confident person to the point where he didn't really factor in, did God hear my prayer? Perhaps it was obligatory for God to hear the prayer of a man who probably hand-wrote and translated some of the old books of the New Testament. I mean, there were, there, the Pharisees memorized just legions of books and Scripture, and they were, they were a walking database in their time. And so, was there room for God? The same God that this publican so desperately needed to speak to. They didn't leave the same. They both had a need because their life was on a journey. And for one of them, the journey took a sharp turn. The publican was headed for hell. And he, and he came out forgiven. And he had another road to walk. And the Pharisee was on the same road that he came in as he walked out. My friend, are you going to allow this experience this week? Are you going to resume the same road that you took coming here? Ask yourself why. Why? Why can't you allow the Spirit to break you? It's the greatest experience you will ever have. To lose what you can't keep and to receive what you can never lose. All of the old is in pieces. And the newness is perfect in Jesus. In one of the songs that we heard tonight, there was reference made about a young man, the prodigal son. Perhaps in his mind he knew who he was, and maybe that was the tipping point of where he didn't belong anymore, and that was in his father's house. And the surge and excitement of being able to do your own thing. He reached, the, he reached the, adap- the audacious point of asking from his father something that he really wasn't entitled to, but he got it. 
and he got his way. He did it his way. And it didn't really take very long when, in verse 17, we read, And when he came to himself, and when he came to himself. This is the point that we, we hope and pray we all are here, that we can all identify. Those of us who, who, who found the Lord know what coming to oneself means. It's a really nasty reflection of who you really are. And it only goes to show how much God loves us because we don't love us at that point. We tend to self-love and we limp along and we put on a good front, but when we come to ourselves, that's when all the ugliness really shows up. And there's only one who can love that still. And that's Jesus. This young man, he, he took his means. We all know the story. And he partied. He was the life of the party. He was the series of parties. I don't know how many he had. Whether you have a hundred, a thousand, or whatever, you can span decades. But there's, always, there's going to be that last party. And then there's going to be the crash. And this young man discovered that he was part of the NFL when he came to himself, the league known as Not For Long. The good times, the parties, all of the glitter, all of the rush, all of the enticement, all the living that goes out in the world is not for long. My friend, I want you to Maybe you're at the point of you're ascending in that. Maybe this isn't catching you at the right time. Maybe you're early on and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. I don't think you're going to be the same after you leave here. You may think you could. Maybe you have plans next week, two weeks from now, next month. Maybe you've got your social calendar back, back on gear. I don't know. You know, I don't. But I will guarantee you that if you sat here and you've listened to the sermons, you've, you've heard the songs, you've seen the passion of those that delight in seeking to know who they are in Christ. I will submit to you that you have a new challenge is that you're not going to be the same. Camp 213 is sort of going to mess with you a little bit. You're not going to be quite able to just easily go and pick up where you left off. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. I would have never heard of Rick Warren in my life other than the fact that he wrote a book and people that at the time I worked with, Christians or not, came to me and it was the, the best thing and bound. And that tells me, loved ones, that people are so disillusioned and so confused that a book that says the purpose-driven life, people realize that their life has to have purpose. And they don't derive it 
from titles. They don't derive it from pursuing goals, uh, financial, material. Um, you're going to go on and on and on. You can see that in our society. You can see the, the, the utter corruptness of people that make it to the top and then just burn out and crash. What about the weight of double lives that we've come in this country to sort of almost tolerate and expect? We call that role-playing. We expect that. Brothers and sisters, now it's our turn. Are we, are we aware of those things? Are we, are we, do we have proper defense mechanisms to that? Are you susceptible to that? Am I? We are if we don't have a constant walk and retrospection of who we are in the Lord. We live in a, in a, in a society that is just growing more and more decadent. There are one, two, three, four steps ahead of us in terms of waves of things that only produce confusion and turmoil. And, and at the seat of all that is compromise after compromise after compromise. Is it any wonder that who we are can slip away? I'm so thankful that in so many of the sessions that we had, in terms of the, the, the lessons that we heard, we realized, I mean, every lesson, every, every class that we took pointed to the fact that becoming born again and being baptized is just the beginning. It's not the climax of our life. If we get that wrong, we're going to lose a large grip of who I am. We're, we need to grow. How do we do that? Maybe that sounds so vague at times. The growth formula in Colossians 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. The way I can grow, the way you can grow in the Lord, is to be dead to self. That's a very um, evasive concept today, even in the nominal Christian world. What I'm trying to say is you're not going to find a, a good amount of people out there that are going to support that, that are going to encourage you. This we have to bear in mind as part of our charter as a fellowship, as a family. And I'm so thankful that um, Brother Vic referred to us as a family. We're beyond a denomination, brothers and sisters, and friends. We're a family. And this week illustrates that to the T. And that alone has been an inspiration for me, let alone everything else that I've learned. And I want to encourage you to feel that way, to bring part of this family experience back to our local families and continue on the family building, the example. Because I'll tell you what, I believe that Pharisee and that publican had role models that gave them a bit of an inkling as to what they too can do for a living. And though this, is, this particular journey is an individual one, it can certainly be helped and exercised by those of us that are demonstrating lives that are open and transparent as to who we are. And, and brothers, fathers, if I could just take a minute... If we aren't transparent as to who we are, how are our children going to know who we are? Or will they care to know if we don't?
This is something that we own. To my friend, who may be like that prodigal son who wants to do it his way, I don't often borrow from lyrics um, outside of our own material, but I felt moved. I felt it was point-making that an, um, a huge 20th century icon entertainer had a song that exemplified his life, his attitude, and how he faced even his own death. I'd like to read it for you. And he writes, And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each chartered course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and I spit it out. I faced it all and I stood tall and I did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed, I cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing, and now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing. To think, I did all that, and may I say, not in a shy way. Oh no, oh no, not me, I did it my way. For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. My friend, is this your life's anthem? Is this going to be your anthem in eternity? If it is, no one's there going to care to hear it. There won't be a reward. And are you still going to hang on to I did it my way? The weaver. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Do you want to do it your way? Or do you want to follow the one who did it for all? I'm going to ask the question again. Do you like 
who you are. And what do you think God would say to that question about you? Has your answer changed the second time around that it's asked? I hope and pray it does. May the Lord bless his word upon our hearts.